This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast with Dr. Raj Dasgupta, a show all about educating patients, students, and aspiring doctors about better patient care. Dr. Raj is a quadruple board certified physician and associate professor at the University of Southern California. He was a co-host of the TNT series, Chasing the Cure with Ann Curry, as well as a regular on the TV show, The Doctors. And now, here's our show. Hi, and welcome to the Dr. Raj Podcast. And what is this a podcast of? You know what it is of. It's of happiness and wellness and amazing people, amazing stories. And today, I have a great one. I truly do. So this is a young man who actually shadowed me, right? He shadowed me. And I wanted to be the strong influence because, you know, I love internal medicine. I love pulmonary critical care. And I thought I I had special Jedi powers to bring him to my side. But you know what? He went his own route. He's actually helping people with traumatic brain injury. In fact, why I put him on the podcast is because at such a young age, he has his own business now. I don't even believe this. And he actually invited me to go to his grand opening. So I said, I'm going to put you on my podcast to actually influence other people. And it's a great story. So today, you know, my guest is going to be Dr. Joseph Kakanian. And, you know, you know the rules. He gets a little uh, bio first before we just jump in. So Dr. Kakanian is the owner and clinical director of SoCal Brain and Spine Center. He was born and raised in the suburbs of Los Angeles, California, where he completed and received his Bachelor's of Arts degree in Biology and Bioethics from American Jewish University. Dr. Kakanian has always been passionate about natural medicine and holistic approaches to managing health. This is why he decided to continue his education and complete his graduate studies at Life Chiropractic College West in the San Francisco Bay Area. There, he received his doctorate in chiropractic and decided to continue his postdoctoral studies at the, now I'm going to mess this up, Karik Institute, further specializing in clinical neuroscience and receiving his Diplomat of American Chiropractic Neurology Board, the DACNB. He has taken over 400 hours of coursework on neurological rehabilitation and functional medicine slash nutrition, is currently in pursuit of a 
Fellowship in Clinical Neurochemistry and Nutrition. With his extensive doctorate and postdoctorate training, Dr. Kakanian uh, has helped many patients return to or find their optimal selves without drugs or surgery. He has worked through many challenging cases and has achieved remarkable results with his patients. He specializes in traumatic brain injury, migraines and headaches, dizziness and vertigo, developmental disorders, chronic pain, and autoimmune and metabolic illnesses. As a quote, root cause, end quote, clinician, his only goal is to help his patients find the source of their issues and to fix it permanently. Every patient is unique, and by using the latest research-grade technology, he is able to create a care plan that's tailored to each patient. Instead of taking the batteries out of the smoke alarm, Dr. Kakanian looks to put out the fire. Look at you. Look at you. I'm going to copy that one one day. Dr. Kakanian's core belief is that holistic care is the future of medicine. His mission is to share his knowledge and practices of this life-changing medicine with his patients. When he's not in the office, Dr. Kakanian enjoys playing golf singing, riding bikes, watching the NBA. And I got to tell you, me and this guest of mine went to a couple of NBA games together, uh, playing board games and working out. He loves dogs and has a multi-poo of his own <laughs> name, Oscar. And with that being said, Joey, thank you for being here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm always looking forward to speaking on behalf of what I do and always looking forward to talking with you on this uh, podcast. Oh, well, you know, because I know you well, but my guests don't. So we had to go back in the time machine and yeah, talk yeah. about you, okay? <laughs> so go back to college. That's not too long ago, was it? No, no. So what, <laughs> what was your major in college? And did you always want to do something in, in healthcare and how did that lead to chiropractic medicine? So good question. So yeah, all throughout high school, um, undergrad, everything, I always wanted to be in some type of medicine, whether it was med school, uh, something holistic, kind of like naturopath, whatever, maybe. I even tried a dentist. Uh, <laughs> well, you, are, you have a little Iranian in you, so what a surprise. That's true, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, after shadowing everyone, including yourself, and yeah, even working for my own father, as a psychiatrist, I decided that I wanted to take a more holistic route and find a type of healthcare that matched my ideals. And I love to help people naturally. So that's why I went and gravitated more towards chiropractic. Well, you know, let's talk about your dad. And I got to tell you, yeah. I, lo I love your family. Oh, yeah, they're great. <laughs> I got to tell you, I mean, if I had to adopt, you know, another pair of parents, yeah, yeah. my wife and I, Michelle, we love you guys. So about your dad. He's pretty awesome. Didn't he influence you a little bit better to go into psychiatry? You know what I'm saying? How come you didn't go into psychiatry specifically? Well, yeah. So he had three kids, me, one of them, and wanted all of us to be psychiatrists. But of course, we all worked for him and decided we didn't want to do that. <laughs> Is it too much listening? It was more, I think, it takes a special person to be a psychiatrist. That's true. My dad is an amazing person, and he makes it look very easy. Because I worked for him in his, mm -hmm. in his psychiatric health clinic for two summers when I was in high school and in college. And, yeah, it was, it was. I mean, it's very rewarding, but a little too much for me. So he, yeah, all the credit to him. But not me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know... There, there's the broad word, you went into chiropractic medicine, but you're very specific. You mean you're into chiropractic neurology. So yeah. can you kind of explain to my listeners and myself? Yeah. Well, what is it? 
So, I mean, many people, I didn't even know when I first started chiropractic school, I didn't know you could specialize. You know, I always thought it was just, you go to chiropractic school, you're just another chiropractor on the block, you know. Um, that was until I joined multiple clubs on campus and actually found a neurology club. And I learned that you could actually do residency and postgraduate studies to get your uh, diploma in these certain specialties. So there's actually... Uh, radiology specialty, uh-huh. you know, sports medicine, neurologist uh, specialty like myself. So there's many different options when it comes to specialties in chiropractic. And again, I didn't even know it existed until I started school there. I was like, I really want to do this. It spoke to me and I met a few people who really showed me the path. And I, yeah. So why neurology then? Why not all these other ones that you just mentioned? Good question. I joined the club and I... I did meet someone who allowed me to shadow in his office and I kind of just fell in love, right? I look, some people hate learning about pathways in the brain because they're endless. There's, you know, trillions of they're them. They're confusing. They're very confusing. Yes. <laughs> to me, it was like second nature. I was like, I, oh, nice. yeah, I love learning about pathways. I love learning about dysfunction in the brain, how to correct it. And I just really found, I mean, the brain is just an amazing thing. And the thing is, we still only know about, 13% of its capacity, which is kind of insane. There's still a lot we need to learn about it. So can I throw you a curveball question? Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, you have so many people, different people influence you in medicine. You said dentist, mm-hmm. um, medicine, you know, your dad. Yeah. So when you went to chiropractory, chiopatri- <laughs> yeah, oh my God, I got a tongue twister. <laughs> Say that I know. Um, there are some stereotypes, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think one of them that I'm just going to come up with is kind of like, you're going to be cracking back the rest of your life. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So did you, when you're looking to your different fields, did you have some stereotypes going into it? And did those quickly get diminished once you're working at it? Yeah. So I, I mean, again, there's always the risks in chiropractic care, which a lot of people look at chiropractic as being dangerous, you know, it can cause stroke, this, that. Again, it is very safe. It depends on who you go to, and there's very many different techniques um, that aren't as invasive. Um, so yeah, my I mean, my goal was to kind of bridge that gap between chiropractic and the medical world because I want I and mean, I see so much potential in, in what we do and how we can complement each other. So I like that. <clears throat> that's a really big reason why I did the, the neuro route because with this specialty, it gives me even more leverage into bridging that gap. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, let's kind of shift gears right now and talk <laughs> about a disorder uh, that many people get at some time. And I'm going to yes. say the word. Let's talk about a concussion. You know what I mean? Yeah. So floor is yours. Explain my listeners, including yes. my students. <laughs> what is a concussion? So what is a concussion? I'm going to start off by saying there's no no real definition to a concussion and there is a lot of controversy when it comes to defining a concussion it used to be that in order to diagnose a concussion you had to have a loss of consciousness which we now know is not true about 90 percent of concussions occur without a loss of consciousness and only 10 percent lose consciousness and they used to say that you have to lose consciousness for a certain amount of time which again we need to take that out because that caused many people to go untreated and have this persistent, have persistent symptoms for a very long time until they, they finally saw treatment. But 
Yeah, basically, why, again, another reason why I chose this route was because I saw how many people go mistreated slash untreated, and I saw the power of what we can do, and that's really what I love the most. Is I want to help people get that proper diagnosis and get the treatment they need. You set me up for my next question. So yes. diagnosis. We yeah. talked about definition, no set definition. Mm-hmm. So if you want to diagnose a concussion, do you need yeah. to get imaging? Do you need a CT of your head? Do you need to do an EEG? Is there blood work to do? What would be the workup and how would you yeah. diagnose it? You know Good what I mean? Question. So they used to say that it needed to be diagnosed by imaging, you know, looking for structural damages in the brain. But now the way they diagnose is if you have any type of symptoms associated with a concussion and it cannot be ruled out by an existing condition or comorbidity and you haven't had any other accidents, then you can be diagnosed with a concussion. So are you going to err? Now I'm just making stuff up while we're talking. Is that getting pumped up? I mean, is your first line imaging if indicated CT or do you go to MRI in some cases or what's your go-to? There's a specific type of MRI that we order. It's called neuroquad which Ooh. is very um, specific and it shows actually the neural pathways within the brain. It's definitely the gold standard when it comes to imaging now when it comes to concussion. Nice. So <clears throat> let's do like a little physiology. I love pathophys, yeah. you know what I mean? So what actually happens when a concussion <laughs> occurs? I love explaining it because I like to use an example of a cauliflower. <laughs> <laughs> well, why that? You'll see, really <laughs> You'll see in a moment. <laughs> So if you think of the brain as a cauliflower, like the top of the, the, the cauliflower is the cortex or the big meaty part, and then we have the stem. Okay? <laughs> so if you grab a cauliflower by the stem and you shake it around, like a concussion, you think that in a concussion, actually, most of the damage occurs where you hit your head. But yeah. through research now, we're seeing that most of the damage happens at the brain stem, at the tip of the brain stem, where the most of that torque occurs and we get what we call is uh diffuse axonal damage Mm -hmm. and when we look at what the brain stem does this is where we have all of our sensory processing so visual processing auditory processing uh, vestibular balance uh, processing so this is where most people experience damage and where we need to start when we're looking at the profession i love that because you know i was one of those other people, I mean, if you smack someone here, I mean, why wouldn't it hurt right here? Exactly. But I love that stone, the cauliflower. Yeah. I didn't know that. You know yeah, what I mean? That's so. what many people thought for years. So that's that's awesome. That's that. awesome. In general, I don't know if you have this answer or anything, mm-hmm. but so how many people experience concussions annually? And, mm-hmm. and let me put you on the spot. What percentage of them suffer from something called a post concussion syndrome and of yeah. course you're gonna have to explain what that is right? i will explain yeah. yeah so there are about 3.8 million americans that experience concussion every year it's a lot it's a lot yeah and what's worse than wow. that is that about 50 percent of them go untreated oh boy which can lead to what we call post-concussion syndrome okay. now what piece post-concussion syndrome or pcs is called is a uh, diagnosed as and, and how we look at it is if the patient basically has symptoms of concussion and goes untreated, a lot of times their, their symptoms persist or become worse. For example, I had a patient that was in a terrible car accident and had an open case for a while, but no one diagnosed her with a concussion or treated it. And until she came to our clinic and I diagnosed her with post-concussion syndrome, 
we treated it and she was better just in a few months. So, so I got to know. So mm-hmm. I know the answers can be very broad and it depends, but mm-hmm. what are some of the core symptoms and signs when you have a post-concussion syndrome? Yes, yeah, a good question. So, thank you. Thank yeah. you. I always love a little compliment. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're looking at, so the, the three main symptoms after concussion are headache, nausea, and dizziness. Okay. Um, but then there are many more, such as light and sound sensitivity, anxiety, depression, uh, frustration, irritableness, uh, focus issues, concentration, memory. I can go on and on with these symptoms. Um, they're very nasty. But yeah, basically, these are the signs and symptoms of a post of concussion. And again, if they go left untreated, we will diagnose your post. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So I now, once again, throw you off your game right here. So are there patients out there, and it's going to be scary if you say yes, mm-hmm. that may have had the damage to injury much, much earlier, and they go up an excessive amount of time and they have undiagnosed yeah. dizziness, fatigue, whatever you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And it, by getting a good history, like this could have been a sequela of something that happened yeah, earlier. Yeah, exactly. And and the scary thing is that the longer they go without treating it, mm-hmm. the sometimes the harder it is to treat it. So that's where I am very grateful to be the first person to come to because I often can diagnose and treat it early. But sometimes, one time I had someone that came after 10 years and he's like, I'm having seizures. And I they haven't, they haven't figured out why. And through his history, he found out he had multiple concussions as a child. And after doing our diagnostics and some imaging, we realized that he was having these seizures because of some functional issues occurring in his brain. Now, once again, this is not one of my preset questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, do, you, do athletes go through this? Yeah, yeah. Many athletes, um, <clears throat> actually, a lot of my patients are athletes, mainly football, soccer, uh, basketball, of course. And yeah, it's it's awful because many of them happen at a young age. And a lot of doctors just brush it off. They're like, oh, just go home and rest. It'll be fine. Um, just sleep it off. And then they continue to have issues until they finally want to come to me or, or another specialist to get them fixed. So. And the reason why I'm not surprised, you know, you know, I got my, my little girl, Mina, you know what I mean? And she plays basketball and all these different sports. So I go yeah, and watch yeah. sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I, I never realized kids play really hard. They do. Yeah. Maybe it's those parents. But yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, Actually, many, many concussions go misdiagnosed uh, at a very early age, unfortunately. So, OK, I like this. One. This is only a good question. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. You mentioned earlier about definitions and about losing consciousness was not was historically part of the definition. Yeah, yeah. But but what percent of people actually do lose consciousness when they get a concussion? Can you give me a ballpark? Yes, yeah, so only ten percent. About ten percent. Just ten. Yeah, yeah, very low. Okay, and that was the criteria to get diagnosed with a concussion back then, which is awful. <laughs> so let me ask you this: mm-hmm. So if someone's got head injury. Anyone, let's say I went skiing and I suck at it, but let's say I hit my head. 
what questions should you ask following head injury? Good question. Just to make sure that you're not going that route towards concussion. Yeah, I will ask if after the accident occurred, what they felt immediately afterwards. So okay. Sometimes they will say, okay. I felt dizzy, nauseous, yep. headache, disoriented. And then we see how they feel throughout the week. Again, a lot of it is symptom, a lot of uh, is, is subjective. And then after that, we will do a lot of functional tests just to, to rule anything in or out, get some uh, imaging done. Even though I'm going to add this in, a lot of times, around like 90, 95% of the time, imaging doesn't show anything which I'll get to in a little bit. Okay, sure. But um, yeah, basically it does take a lot of functional testing and and proper neurological testing to see whether or not there's a concussion or not. So I got to ask, because I'm not sure, what would be some functional testing? Yeah, so we use like video nystagmography testing, video head impulse testing. Okay. um, Yeah, video head impulse testing, yeah. That we use... um, Computer is posturography. We do a lot of cognitive tests. Wow. And then that comes with the basic neurological and physiological tests as well. I don't know if I can afford you. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's a lot of testing. Uh, So let me ask you, you know, we're talking about damage and we're talking about, you know, head injury. Mm -hmm. So terminology, structural damage and functional damage. You know, um, I kind of read this somewhere, but I didn't understand it. Can you explain it to me and my listeners? Yeah. So when it comes to structure versus function, again, we look at imaging, which a lot of times people use in the past to diagnose concussions, Mm -hmm. which is wrong for what I previously stated because around 99.5% people don't have any damage structurally after a head injury and their MRIs or CTs are normal. Mm -hmm. Um, When we look at function, again, we want to look at their visual function, vestibular function, basically looking at pathways in the brain and how those are functioning because they may look normal on MRI, but how they're actually working can be completely abnormal or dysfunctional. So that's what they're referring to. If you're just looking for structural damage, I mean, here's an image, look for at the image while you're saying, looking for the function of these exactly. areas, these yeah. pathways. So that's where we use video uh, seismography, video head impulse testing, okay. computerized balance posturography, stuff like that to really test these areas of the brainstem and the cognitive abilities to see what might be going on and how we can fix it. Okay. So this one I, I put in my questions because you wanted me to ask you this one. This one I really wanted to hear you answer. The six phenotypes. Oh, yeah. So the, you wrote six phenotypes yeah. that you test for within I didn't even know yeah. there were six phenotypes. Can you explain it? I'll explain and why, it. how does it make a clinical difference and treatment difference? Yeah. So yeah. there are six different types of concussions or six different categories. You can have all of them. You can have few of them there's one uh, but it's important to look at all of them and check for all of them because if one goes missed it can cause an array of symptoms so when we do our testing with all those diagnostic tools i said Mm -hmm. the six that we want to look at are vestibular system your visual systems your proprioceptive systems autonomics your limbic centers and cognitive centers so give some examples. There's yeah. so many <laughs> medical words that maybe some people didn't catch there. Definitely. Start with start with vestibular. Work your way. Yeah, well, maybe, so yeah, vestibular, <laughs> which is your inner ear system. Yep. Okay, this is the top priority. Okay. Your vestibular system. Say that word ten times. <laughs> <laughs> so your vestibular system, yeah. which is your inner ear system, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard, the inner ear plays a really significant role when it comes to balance. 
Um, but what we don't, what a lot of people don't realize is the vestibular system has the most influence on your entire nervous system and brain. And it is usually the first to go after a concussion and the most dysfunctional. So that's why most of our testing actually is around the vestibular system and, okay. and seeing what's wrong there. Um, now, what can happen when you have vestibular dysfunction? It can lead to balance issues, of course, dizziness. But through research now, they're saying the vestibular system has a very uh, important role in cognition, memory, focus, stuff like that. So, I mean, a little off topic, but... But not. But not. Yeah. For example, people with ADHD or anxiety, stuff like that, they're starting to look at the vestibular system as a culprit in terms of what may be causing those symptoms. That's interesting. Which is very interesting. Yeah. This is all new research, but it's, okay. it's good to uh, include. Um, but back to the phenotypes. Yep. Yeah. Vestibular system is the top priority, and that's sure. what we want to check always. When we check all of them, but that's the main thing yep. we want to focus on. Next is the visual system. Okay. okay. That's where we do a lot of eye tracking tests. We do um, rapid eye movement tests. Okay. Uh, pursue or like just watching the eyes move, gaze stability, seeing sure. if the eyes can just focus on a dot. Okay. Like that because, again, this can lead to dizziness and lead to a lot of symptoms uh, within concussion. Then we have the proprioceptive systems, which is an understanding where our body is in space yep. and how we perceive our environment um, this is also a place with that experiences a lot of dysfunction after head injuries and we want to make sure that people um, isn't there a medical sign where you make the patient stand up with their hands out and you're closing your eyes yeah yeah so we call that the uh, there's a there's a name yeah. for everything and i'm drawing a blank and yeah I so there's romberg romberg yeah. thank, thank god there's a, a neurologist here to help yes, me yes. <laughs> yeah okay yeah wrong so romberg yeah. is one of our tests yeah and then we'll check different canal positions. Okay. So yep. Don't want to get into too much detail, but that was my fault. Yeah. That was it's my okay. Fault. okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's um, another area that we mm -hmm. really want to check. Uh, then on to autonomic. So yep. a little background into what autonomics are for the viewers. The autonomic nervous system basically is within our brainstem and plays a very important role when it comes to blood flow. Uh, have, I'm sure a lot of your the viewers will understand fight or flight. Versus rest and digest. Sympathetic like, versus parasympathetic. Yes, got it. Got yep, it. Yep. Yes. <laughs> so a lot of times after head injuries, yep. because the brain is in this alert mode, it's yep. stuck in that fight or flight or okay. sympathetic mode. Yeah. So you're not having proper blood flow within the body. Everything's like clamped down. Yes. Everything okay. is in alert mode. Yep. Um, that's why many patients actually feel dizzy or have dysautonomia, which is okay. another big word which basically just means you're not getting blood up to your brain properly the, that brain to heart connection um, is not where it should be so a lot of times after concussions people get dizzy upon standing up too quickly stuff like that they get tired or fatigue if they exercise for too long um, stuff like that so um, and then next is limbic system so this is <laughs> I'm, I'm fired up for the limbic system yeah i can explain this one <laughs> So limbic system, yeah. So this is why many patients feel you know a lot of severe anxiety, depression, mm -hmm. head injuries. Yeah, they lose motivation. Mm -hmm. they, um, often, yeah, they can't sleep at night, stuff like that, because these areas lack inhibition, which lead to excessive thinking, you know, panic attacks, stuff like that. So that's where your dad I was just going to say, I was like, this is where the psychiatry or psychology, <laughs> whatever it comes yeah. in. 
Um, and that's why a lot of times we will refer patients as needed to see a therapist mm-hmm. or psychologist because there is the, the post-traumatic stress that of comes course. after a concussion a lot of times. And I'm not making this up. I mean, me and you will probably be friends down the line because isn't sleep a big part about what happens to some of the people with these traumatic brain yes. injuries? Yes. Yeah. So that's where we really want to look at all these phenotypes mm-hmm. because if any one of them is not functioning correctly, it can lead to sleep. Yeah. Well. I, I can just so, only imagine that. Only yeah. imagine that. Is there another phenotype? There's cognitive. Being, you know, con- yeah. Oh, so, yeah. That's bad. Frontal lobe. Yeah. Again, for the viewers, frontal lobe, we know is associated with personality, executive yep. function, uh, memory, stuff like that. So we really want to look at this area because a lot of times patients lose that focus, motivation. They lose parts of their personality after head injuries. It's actually very sad. Are people with uh, traumatic brain injury at a high risk for developing dementia? Yes. Ugh, yes. Sucks. Sadly, yeah, because of the damage and the, the tissue damage uh, and these functional damages yeah. that can occur, it sadly can. If it goes untreated, it can lead to high risk of dementia and issues like that. So it's going to be hard to answer it for everything you do, but I think what separates you is the fact that you're focusing not just on traditional medical treatment. So your approach, your company's approach, what you believe in, what are some of the diagnostic therapy modalities that you do compared to traditional medicine? Good question. All right. So I kind of stated before, when it comes to traditional medicine, someone goes in, sees their medical neurologist or primary care. Yep. A lot of times they will, they will either give some medications to help with the symptoms, sure. like, like sleep or okay. uh, pain, stuff like that, nerve pain, uh, dizziness, stuff like that. Gabapentine. Gap, yes. <laughs> Free gambling. All my patients are on that. <laughs> yeah, and then that's where actually we started reaching out to a lot of neurologists because we know that they're, they're limited. You know, yeah, so they, they can usually diagnose it and they tell them to just rest and you know, go home, um, just you know, take off from work if needed or not. But time will go on. And a lot of times, like I said, with post-concussion syndrome, again, 60% of people that get concussions will continue to have these persistent uh, symptoms and they need proper care. So that's where they come to us. And this is where what differs, what's the difference between us and traditional uh, care. We take a full look at the brain again, checking all these phenotypes, doing all our structure, our functional tests. Like I said, checking the eyes, inner ears, cognition, proprioception, full neurological, uh, physiological tests, and just checking pretty much every part of your nervous system to rule out any issues. So, um, and then after that, we will do a lot of therapies, modalities such as vestibular training, visual therapies. Uh, working with the, the brain and the body, getting them back on the same page, doing cognitive therapies, a lot of fun brain games, balance therapies, and even things such as hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Which you I did mention that to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's something that's up and coming. Not too much research on it when it comes okay. to traumatic brain injury. Most okay. of the research behind it is in neurodegenerative disorders. Sure. Like all them or stuff. Now, but does, your, does your place have one of those bad boys? Yeah, we do. We just got A one. room or just an individual chamber? It's a room with a chamber. Okay. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically, we put a lot of patients with concussions okay. in this chamber yep. because it's a... Basically, what it is, you go in there and it... It gives you, it puts ambient air in mm-hmm. there in mm-hmm. that pressurized environment to the point where oxygen is being pushed through your skin yeah. and into your body, your brain, all your organs. Yep. 
Um, and we also give you pure oxygen through a cannula in your nose. Okay. So you're inhaling pure oxygen while you're getting it yeah. basically flushed through your entire body. Okay. And it's worked wonders for many patients that have TBI. That's great. Yeah. No, for me, it's, it's having options out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you're right. You know, you know, I think, you know, being a doctor that predominantly does what Western medicine. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You know, I'm very heavily relying upon, mm-hmm. Hey, what did my journal article say here? And what is this? And not to say that doing alternatives isn't, but it's nice to give patients hope that there's other stuff out there. Exactly. And playing together in the sandbox is always nice. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So that's why I love actually a lot of, Neurologists, they refer patients to us. Cool. Home manage. Yeah. Um, a lot of chiropractors, too, who have cool. a hard time with complex patients. Sure. They will refer them to us. And we, yeah, I, I love working together. It really takes a village. And again, back to my goal of bridging that gap. It was always my goal to work both sides and nice. help Western medicine and our side of medicine work together, too. It's great. Help as many people as we can. So a couple of quick ones and then I'll let you go. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love that you're opening your own business. I am I'm super beyond proud of you. So that you know Thank that. You. Um so why are you opening your own business instead of joining a group? Yeah. <laughs> What's been the hardest part so far? <laughs> well, my dream was always to be my own boss. Um and I am I attribute a lot of this to actually my last boss. He Really, he equipped me with all the tools, and that's why I have so much respect and admiration for him. He gave me the courage to really open my own practice and encouraged me to because he really taught me A to Z concussions, all, all any type of, of brain condition, seizure, seizures, developmental disorders, dizziness, vertigo, migraines, how to treat them and, and what to do with them. And yeah, there were many groups that I could have joined, but I felt confident enough to treat all these people on my own, and I had a great opportunity to do so here in LA. So, yeah, you know, my wife Michelle. So yes. her dad passed away, and I, I loved him yeah. dearly. Uh, he was a cardiologist, and he didn't join no group. He he had his own practice. Mm-hmm. And I always, you know, and you know me, I love being part of a group and teaching and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And you know, he always kind of chuckled. He's like. You do what you do, Raj. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I love having my <laughs> private practice, you yeah, know? Yeah. And only now as I've been, you know, practicing for quite a while, I love that he did private practice. Mm-hmm. It's hard, but you're your own boss. No one tells you what to do. It's true. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand now, yeah, yeah. you know, and I'm just really proud of him. So I think, yeah. I think you really did choose wisely. I think it's not an easy route. I think you chose wisely. It will be harder, but in the end, I know it will be very rewarding and Get to take off as much time as I want. You can bring me to some <laughs> Laker games, right? Yeah, I'll take you to Laker games too. <laughs> so, um, so uh, hey, what, what what are your goals in the future? Now, I know it's kind of early in your in what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what do you see? Let's make it about ten years from now. How's yeah. that? My goal is to have a huge facility, multiple doctors, seeing multiple people, maybe even hiring some medical neurologists to work in the sure. office as well to get that side of uh, healthcare in there as well. Yeah, I want a very big office treating as many people as you can to help as many people as you can as soon as we can so they don't continue and live a life that's not as optimal. So. <laughs> and, and the last thing, you know, people who listen to my podcast, I mean, not everyone has to go to med school. I'm yeah, so yeah. proud that my podcast says people just love stories and go to different aspects. Someone's going to go into chiropractic medicine from this. So mm-hmm. can you give me or my listeners any tips if, you want to go into chiropractic medicine or doing it currently? Can you give them some tips about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So 
definitely specialize if you go to chiropractic school. Okay. Uh, I mean, you can be another chiro, but definitely specialize like I did, whether it's radiology, upper cervical care, neurology, sports medicine, stuff like that. Um, because the more you specialize and the more you narrow down what you do, the more niche you'll be and the more people will respect you and what you do. So, I love it. Yeah. So number one, let me say a couple of things about your uh, grand opening. Oh, I know yes. it's going to be when, when is the date? It's September 7th, Thursday, September 7th. And I love your name. SoCal Brain and Spine Center. Yes. I like that. Yeah. It with Dr. Raj, that's what you're missing at yes, the end. Yes, <laughs> Hey, one day, yes, in my big facility. <laughs> so it's located in 1141 North Grand Avenue in Glendale. And uh, you know what? I'm going to put all that info on our, our notes for our, our podcast. But uh, hey, Joey, I think you're just an awesome person. Thank you. I've always loved being your neighbor. I've yeah. seen you literally grow up. And my wife and I are just very proud of you. Thank you. Well, it takes an awesome person to know you're great you're great well everyone hey thank you for listening to this week's dr raj podcast stay tuned for our next episode coming soon thanks for listening this has been a production of ars longa media our producers are madison linden and chris bright again our executive producer is dr patrick beeman This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis.